Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome. I'm sitting here desperately trying to get ahead of breaking news here for you. How, how you doing? Uh, let me just get this in the hopper very quickly. It's uh, August. 26. And uh, the big uh, big news is uh, a suggestion that um, our intelligence regarding Afghanistan has uh, improved because wasn't it just yesterday that we were hearing that uh, the State Department was saying that there was an imminent threat of of violence, uh, violent action, explosion, terrorism at the Kabul airport, and was uh, telling Americans to get the hell away from it. Well, that explosion has occurred, um, and nothing else is known um, at this point. There has been a large explosion at one of the gates uh, to the airport in Kabul where the evacuations are continuing and uh, there are no credible re- <coughs> excuse me credible reports at this time of casualties so uh, that's one breaking news thing um, another breaking news item that just crossed my my eyeballs is uh, local and regards the superintendent of Pittsburgh Public Schools, uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Hamlet. And it uh, says that the Pennsylvania Ethics Commission has, uh, has cited him for numerous violations of the Public Official and Employee Ethics Act. Um, they released a report It says here, I'm just, I again, I haven't had a chance to look at this myself for those who would find this of interest. Uh, they say that Dr. Hamlin also took multiple unauthorized liberties with vacation time. He wrongly marked time off as work days rather than vacation days uh, while he was away for travel that was not related to district business. He uh, carried over unused vacation and personal days to the following year for himself and other employees when his contract and theirs prohibit that practice. Um, It says that he also accepted payments for appearances, which would be uh, unethical in his uh, position. Uh, They are ordering him to pay... uh, almost $8,000 in reimbursement and to forfeit 14 days of vacation time as he already took. So uh, there you have that. Okay, that's all the breaking uh, news I I have for you. Excuse me. Uh, Yesterday, I I think I vaguely recall uh, complaining at the end of the show that, ah, darn it, I hadn't told you uh, about uh, one story that I had wanted to address, and I am going to do that right now. I said it was the latest report in from uh, the Wendy Bell front. Um, And uh, it is, let me see if I can find all of the information I want on, on it. Uh, okay, good enough. Um, it's dispiriting to note that uh, Wendy Bell's still out there. I mean, she's still, I don't know what, where is she doing a, a show now? Um, a piece that I read in the New York Times does not and I love it, does not identify her by name, but they say they call her a right-wing radio host. Now, I'm not aware that she's on radio anymore. 
touch. She might be on like Facebook Live. Who the hell knows? She's out there. And she's got the kind of bona fides. Is that how it's pronounced? A bona fides? I don't know. She's got the kind of cred with the Kool-Aid drinkers that they do follow her uh, wherever, wherever she goes. So wherever this show was, uh, she elicited some news, I guess, the other day, which ended up uh, in the New York Times. And that is because she interviewed um, the top Republican in the Pennsylvania State Senate. That would be one Jake Corman. And um, he said that um, he fully intends to launch an audit of the 2020 election in Pennsylvania, which, as we know, Biden won by over 80,000 votes. There has been zero, as you know, evidence of voter fraud and kind of manipulation that would have affected the outcome of that tally. And yet, a top Republican in the Senate of Pennsylvania is a taxpayer expense, let me add. He's going to get to the bottom. He called it a forensic investigation. And uh, he told Wendy, we can bring people in, we can put them under oath, we can subpoena records, and that's what we need to do, and that's what we're going to do. Never mind, of course, that we've got huge problems in this state, as every state has. Start with the big ones. Uh, there's the pandemic. There's uh, there's um, threat of evictions hanging over a lot of people as a result of the pandemic. There are so many issues, infrastructure that need to be dealt with by our state government, and this is what happens when you let Republicans control government. They don't govern. They use it to solidify their power. And in this case, to sow doubt about the very functioning of our government, to undermine our democracy. Why? Serves their purposes. And it puts them in good stead with their clown prince, Donald J. Trump. And he just flat out, he, he, he said, he told Wendy, I don't uh, necessarily have faith in the results. We need to get to the bottom of it. Making this up. He's just making it up. Now, we have an acting Secretary of State, Secretary of State, oversee the elections. Uh, her name is Veronica de Grassenreid, or Reed. And she has been very clear that she does not think, does not want to see any of the counties where that really control, you know, the election process, the county election, uh, county election, what is it called? Bureaus? Not, not, I can't think. Um, she has told them, do not participate in any kind of bogus election review. And she has said, anybody saying they need to inspect your voting machines, any unidentified, uncredentialed third third parties uh, could well reside. If you let any of those folks in and let them at your machines, we, the state, could end up decertifying them. And then the counties would have to bear the large cost of replacing the equipment. 
She went on to say the Department of State encourages counties to refuse to participate in any sham review of past elections that would require counties to violate the trust of their voters and ignore their statutory duty to protect the chain of custody of their ballots and voting equipment. Now, I got to tell you, um, you know that this kind of kangaroo audit has been underway in, in Arizona for some time, and much to the much to the embarrassment of even a lot of Republicans um, in that in that state. Um, I believe it was uh, Monday that finally this endless audit um, that Donald Trump's rage uh, created, efforts to uh, ameliorate it, uh, the Republicans who are leading this in Arizona had promised that they would have their report um, on Monday. Well, Monday came and Monday went. Tuesday came and Tuesday went. Here we are. We're at Thursday. There is, of course, no such report. Um, and we are now, because we have the misfortune of having a state legislature totally in the grip of this deranged Republican Party, are perhaps about to head off in the same embarrassing direction as Arizona. It's all about refusal to acknowledge reality. In other words, your guy lost. And it is all about undermining our democracy, which is close to treason. Let me remind you of what a clown cars nonsense this is. Uh, the Arizona recount brought in a totally, I mean, ridiculous, they, they, they contracted with a, a group called, I think, if I remember correctly, called Cyber Ninjas that had never done such an audit before and that were clearly, uh, by reputation, um, not unbiased. Cyber Ninjas had no auditing experience. They, didn't, they, they did not put in a, a submit a formal proposal they were chosen because they knew what outcome was expected and they were going to somehow do it. And you'll, I mean, we've stopped paying attention to this, but these are the people that hired all kinds of folks also not equipped or credentialed or knowledgeable in regards to forensic audits of uh, election. They hired all these people and they're going over all the ballots. They are looking for secret watermarks that didn't exist. They even at one point, you might recall, were looking to identify any bamboo, did you not, bamboo fibers that might have been on any of the ballots, which would, of course, prove the conspiracy theory, one of them, that fake ballots had been shipped over from Asia. I mean, that one tends to be absurdly racist, too. Like, what? Everything from Asia has bamboo fibers on it? What kind of? Oh, my God. One of the people who was doing the screening, who was looking for the fraud in the Arizona count, was a guy uh, who had been a former state lawmaker. His name was Anthony Kern. Well, lo and behold, Pictures of him on January 6th of this year at the insurrection 
at the U.S. Capitol surfaced. And even the folks in Arizona had to say, uh, Anthony, um, I think you better uh, step aside. Okay, so just want you to know that that, that embarrassing and destructive to our democracy, insanity is coming this way. And that the top guy in the state Senate, Jay Corman, is saying, going to do it. I'm not sure that was the right vote. I don't know that Biden won Pennsylvania. And somewhat in the same vein, good news, uh, the attempts to uh, overturn the vote in Michigan, uh, which gave their votes to Biden, uh, saw those clownish Trump lawyers, uh, what's her name, uh, Sidney Powell, and that guy named Lynn Wood. Is that the one? Is that the that the place where Giuliani uh, testifying uh, just obviously farted during his? I mean, it is. So the clown car comes to Michigan. At any rate, um, federal judge. This is good news. Federal judge uh, last night uh, ordered that sanctions be imposed on all those lawyers. And she said the lawsuit they brought in Michigan with the full intent of over uh, overturning the, the people's vote was, and let me find her words, I'm not going to, well, she said it was an abuse, a profound abuse of the judicial process. She said that these lawyers abused the well-established rules of litigation by making claims that were backed by neither law nor evidence. In other words, a pack of lies, a bunch of bulls, conspiracy theories du jour, and they went to the court and barfed all of it into the court's lap. The judge was not happy because she said courts have real business to do. She wrote, this case was never about fraud. It was about undermining the people's faith in our democracy and debasing the judicial process to do so. And she accused them of scorning their oath, flouting the rules, attempting to undermine the integrity of the judiciary itself. She was not happy. So uh, odds are, I think, that Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood and Rudy Giuliani are never going to be able to practice law again. These things are I, eventually, um, they're finished because we've seen other other rulings like that. And here we have, even after all of that, because what she's talking about is exactly what Senator Corman here told Wendy Bell that he is going to do. You're going to pay for it. Now, there's still, I'm keeping an eye on the Kabul explosion thing. Our desire to know immediately things that, you know, when an explosion goes off, you do have to wait till the dust settles. 
And we're so used to thinking that information is immediate. And what happens is news outlets in their desire to be first um, often end up providing what later turns out to clearly be incorrect information. So my, uh, I'm going to stop actually <laughs> trying to update that story because it'll be updated later. And there's nothing I can do about it anyway. And if I find out this many people were killed or that many injured, what nationality they were, it doesn't matter. It turns out there's been an explosion at one of the gates of the Kabul airport, which had been something that the State Department obviously knew was in the works. So their intelligence was working then. And happened. Okay. I want to talk a little bit more about media. And I, I'm, I'm conflicted because when I jump on media, I don't want to add to the distrust that Republicans and their ilk are, are so, you know, the lying news media, fake news. I don't want to feed into that. And yet I do and have my entire career argued for the need for people to be skeptical, to seek out other sources, to not assume everything they see is the be-all and end-all of, of And I also, media literacy is so important. And understanding the business of media is to attract our eyeballs. And we all know, we're not stupid. We know that you attract eyeballs. You make somebody rubberneck by, you know, creating a, a sense of uh, whatever, something that'll make you turn your head. Danger, alarm. can be done with the use of a single adjective. There were headlines uh, this week about, for instance, Biden's poll numbers plummet, plummeting. And then you look closely, and I think they were down four points. That's not a plummet, and he's still ahead of wherever Donald Trump was at any point in his presidency. So this constant need for media to make things interesting to us, to make them seem often more consequential than they are, is something we all need to guard against, if only for our own mental health. And this is why I told you I have stopped uh, following uh, a lot of stories on a daily basis. Because, again, I tell myself, you can check back in a week when maybe a little more dust is settled and get a clearer idea. But the thing is, these guys in media work 24-7. And so they've got to keep coming up with headlines, stories, things that seem like things are on the edge. Democrats, you know what, here's a word that you'll see in a million headlines about Democrats always. Democrats are always in disarray at each other's throats. The Democratic caucus divided. Yeah, and then somehow Nancy Pelosi manages a unanimous vote coming out of the House. By the way, I just want to take a minute, hit my non-existent hat that old broad. Wow. She will go down in history. I kid you not. I know it. She will go down in history as one of the greatest speakers of the House, most effective speaker of the House. It's amazing. 
and the mall, that famous Ginger Rogers quote about dancing with Fred Astaire. Well, I don't think she did the quote. Someone else did it, right? Nancy Pelosi manages to do it in high heels, perfectly quaffed hair, looking too good for a woman her age. Jeez. I take that last part back. Uh, I I got to get, wait, I'll get back to what I'm doing, because that, that made my head, I'm sorry, my head just goes, that's why I can't sleep at night. My head, my head goes careening. It's like a, it's like a pinball machine. It goes bang, 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 careening from one thing to another. And I swear the minute I put my head on a pillow, that's when it goes absolutely ballistic. I start remembering things that happened 65 years ago, and I, and I think, did I do the right thing? Was I? Was I mean, God almighty. Anyway. So, <laughs> where am I? All right. So, again, I, I still, I'm still going through this pile of rubble on my, you know, cleaning out pictures. And I came upon a picture that I did not know I had um, of my mother. And Gloria Steinem. And it was, they're both, they're standing next to each other and uh, both grinning at the camera. And I guess that when I said Nancy Pelosi's too good looking for a woman, that, that was, that, that's what made me think of it. Because they're two beautiful women. Two beautiful old women. Two beautiful old Jewesses. My mother being the elder, and I remember her telling me uh, when she, that night when she was at someone's house in Green Bay, don't ask, and Gloria Steinem turned out to be this woman's like dear friend. And so my Gloria was talking to my mother, and Gloria finds out how old my mother was at the time. I don't know if she was 92, 93, and Gloria went berserk. So there's that picture, and I, 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 I sent it off to my nieces and nephews saying, you know, in case you hadn't ever seen this, I just happened upon it. (laughs) And my nephew sent me back another picture with with the message, man, because the picture was taken in a kitchen with my mom. And, And he said, man, uh, Gloria Stein, I'm sure, shows up in a lot of people's houses. And he had a picture. He says, here she is in my friend's house <laughs> with her stepson. And I look at the picture, and it damn well is Gloria Steinem. And her stepson looks vaguely familiar. And that's when I remembered something I forgot. I knew that Gloria Steinem married Christian Bale's father because the picture my nephew sent me was Gloria Steinem, Christian Bale, and his two friends. As Gloria Steinem showed up in your kitchen, I'm saying. Okay, never mind. Where was I? So I was wanting to tell you that we need to be less susceptible to having our heads turned by the news du jour, that whatever the story is they're selling that day in such a breathless, in such a breathless manner, you know how CNN, literally everything they say is breaking news. No, it's not. All these news, and this is why I really want to dissuade and discourage people from a steady diet of cable news or of any, any broadcast news. I want to, don't do it. There was a time in my life when that, 
I had that on in my house constantly. I would watch and listen to the same stories breathlessly told hour after hour. I would learn nothing new. And finally, I had to ask myself, what the hell are you doing? So as you know, I'm, I'm an ex-addict. And I, if you are still an addict, I really beg you to try to pull away because you will be the better for it. I'll tell you one thing, you'll be less anxious. And I'll tell you another, you'll be every bit as well-informed, okay? I mentioned yesterday also that my new favorite go-to guy for sorting things out in the news is a guy named David Leonhardt at the New York Times, a paper that is increasingly pissing me off. But he's marvelous, and he does this thing that comes out in the morning called The Morning. And the first thing he always does is sort of try to put a story that, you know, is being bandied about in in the hysteria mode into a, a saner kind of context. And he did that today uh, about what's going on in Congress and bills that are, in fact, being passed. Um, this is the kind of thing I have stopped watching or taking in because it always makes me so anxious. Because if you watch the news reporters from Capitol Hill, they always make it sound like, you know, Doom, doom, impossible, ain't going to happen. This is, this is happening, that's happening. It's always bad. It is always bad. And it was his use of a word, just five words in, that made me laugh out loud because this is why I love the guy. Because he said, Democrats resolved a procedural spat this week. They resolved a procedural spat. That spat has allowed for more, you know, raised, reporting about the doom of this bill and that bill and Biden's agenda is going down the tubes and forget about it. We're all gone. Nothing. And this is why I stopped watching because that thing, and I'm not going to get into it, had to do with the, uh, you know, the infrastructure bill, the pandemic relief bill. This one is the Biden's domestic agenda. And it was supposed to be down and out, as were the as was the infrastructure bill and the pandemic relief bill. And lo and behold, little by little, these things do seem to be, uh, you know, alive. But to make them more dramatic, reporters invariably, who cares day to day? Senator so-and-so said this and that. Speaker that and this did that and that. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. And, you know, the reality is, so Pelosi pulled another rabbit out of a hat and got this out of the House. And, uh you know, Leonhardt is very clear. No Republicans are likely to support it in the Senate. So Democrats need to keep all their 50 senators uh, in line, which takes them to wait because Joe Manchin is now the uh, the most powerful man uh, in the Senate of the United States who elected him. God Damn those blowers. Can you hear that? I would outlaw them. So anyway, um, 
this is just something I wanted you to to note. Um, that the bill that he's talking about is huge. It is huge, and this is the stuff with uh, that would offer a national program of paid leave for workers who are who have to take time off care for a relative or because they are ill. It would mandate $4,000 a month for people like that. The Americans swoon when they hear this kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that would be penny ante bull in uh, a European country. Because Europeans strangely think that the taxes they pay should mostly come back to them in efficiently run government programs that have, that help them with life, with raising their children, with educating their children. And to Americans, it's communism. And government is bad. I mean, there is so much wonderful stuff in this has to do with uh, uh, lowering drug prices, has to do with... Um, also having Medicare cover, uh, cover, uh, what's the word? Uh, cover dental and uh, eyes and ears and all that other specialty stuff, which they don't necessarily now. Anyway, just want to say, please, please guard yourself against the attempts of media, which are big corporations trying to make tons of money, and they are. And the way they make money is selling advertising, and the way they get the most bucks for advertising is being able to show that they've got the bigger audience. We got this many eyeballs. All I'm saying is take your eyeballs and have more control of them. Your eyeballs and your brain don't exist to make money for these damn corporations, who in turn only give you acid reflux. Now, here, for instance, is a story. I'm just looking at further down in this. Here's a story the New York Times is putting out today. There's probably a large space rock with Earth in its crosshair. Do you want to read that? Is that, a, that? That causes immediate anxiety. What? What? There's a huge rock plummeting toward Earth. going to kill us all. Um, no, of course not. The article is about if such an occurrence would happen, um, that NASA research is, um, is working on uh, a method of defending the planet, of breaking these things up before they would hit. I mean, but the headline has to create anxiety or you don't read the rest of the story. Well, in fact, they do have one candidate that could well hit our planet. You know when? It's this planet. This is the one they're focused on. It's going to hit the planet, planet in 2182. We'll have burned up by this. We'll have bigger fish to fry. And by then, we'll have some amazing ability to, uh, yeah, to get. But why would you worry about such a thing as that when we've got so much to worry about? Okay, then I have to tell you about this because this blew my mind. I had to look up the cover of this album. It's considered one of the greatest 
rock album covers in history. So when I say it, some of you will immediately know it. And it's the Nirvana cover for its album Never that it? Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. And what it is is a picture of a naked little baby underwater. And the baby sort of, he's underwater, his arms are out. And there's a, like, dollar bill or something uh, in front of him, but I guess on a fish hook, which I couldn't see. Um, and and, and that, that, anyway, that's the cover. And, and, and this cover came out, when did this album come out? In, uh, oh, hell. It had to be a long time ago. In the 90s, right? So here's the thing. I came upon this article, I think this is in the Washington Post, that the baby in that picture is now 30 years old. Okay, so it was 30 years ago. Ah! The baby in the picture is now suing in federal court in Los Angeles against pretty much everybody who ever had anything to do with that album. He can't get Cobain, but he can get God knows who. Because he said it was sexual exploitation of him and that he has suffered physically and emotionally for his entire life. You're kidding me, right? You can see his penis, the baby. And yet his suit says, I mean, the term child pornography comes up. Um, And this guy says, as a teenager, he told NPR, quote, quite a few people in the world have seen my penis. So that's kind of cool. I'm just a normal kid living it up and doing the best I can. That's what he said in 2008. But then he got older. He's still living with his mom. He could use a little money. And uh, now he's decided he's really angry. Uh, Because he had no say in the matter. And He said, while some people might think it's cool that I'm the Nirvana baby, but he said women he dated would dump him when they found out he wasn't making any money off it. So he later became embarrassed that he didn't get compensated. And now he's trying to get compensated. I read you the words of an obviously angry federal court judge in regard to the the big lie in Michigan. And actually I never I never took a moment to think about federal court judges having to deal with this kind of stuff. I don't know what you think about this. Does the kid have a point? Seems to me if you were gonna sue anybody, sue his parents. Actually, his father, his father was the one who brought him to this. There were a bunch of babies that were put in water, and they took tons of pictures, and that was the best picture. And his father was given something like 200 bucks. But the idea that he's been emotionally harmed by it seems absurd. He says, recently I've been thinking, what if it isn't okay with my freaking penis being shown to everybody? I didn't have a choice. Well, 
No, you didn't. And I suppose today that there was not nothing pornographic in the picture. But he is suing them for child pornography and exploitation of him. The, his father had control of him at that point. Sue your dad if you need to sue somebody. Dad's gone. Oh, by the way, he is suing Cobain's estate. <laughs> I don't know, guys. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. Okay. I thought I didn't have enough to talk about today. I, I just, uh, 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 I got too much here. I'm not even getting to the stories I wanted. That, that's a, a problem I often have. Okay. Um, hang on while I'm click, click, clicking. Uh, Josh writes, that baby on the cover has been posting remake, remakes of that photo his entire life. Ha! <laughs> ha! Now he's suing for sexual exploitation? Perhaps sue for royalties or something. Yeah. Yeah. But he's been enjoying the fame for decades. If you need money, just say so. The remaining band members would probably help him out. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, to coin a phrase, you don't have to make a federal case out of it, right? Oh, Lord. Lordy, lordy, lordy. Um. You know, the Post-Gazette has a cartoonist who is constantly suggesting in his cartoons that Joe Biden is um, addle-brained. I mean, literally, that he's, you know, that we need the 25th Amendment. Actually, that is an ongoing, uh, ongoing thing, as usual, falsehood that they're selling. Uh, they never... These same people never thought that uh, Donald Trump uh, exhibited any, any signs that he might be slightly deranged, but they think Joe Biden is. And I have to find this quote, my God, from some Fox News host that I've never even heard of. Uh, it's a woman named Campos Duffy. Listen to this. This is what people who listen to Fox News hear. When you look at what's hurting America, when you look at this lack of leadership and you wonder, who are the people responsible for putting someone this incompetent and, and frankly, this, you know, mentally frail in this position? I'm sorry. But I can't help but look at Jill Biden. No one knew better his state of mind than Jill Biden. Do you believe? So Jill Biden did not stop her deranged, addled husband from running. And she's the person that we should all be focused on. Unbelievable. Uh, um, this just again, came upon me, found me. There are uh, 59 school districts in Pennsylvania. I should have dovetailed this with that ethics thing on Hamlet. There are 59 school districts in Pennsylvania. No, there are more. If you're saying, what? There's more than that. There's more than that. You're right. Because I didn't finish it then. There are 59 school districts in Pennsylvania with mask mandates. And half of them, well, one shy of half, 30 of them are in Allegheny County. That makes me feel good. 
30 of them are in Allegheny County. So I want to thank those 30 school boards and districts for opening up but wisely protecting the kids, the teachers, anybody in that building. So that's really good. There are, by the way, 474 school districts. Uh, um, I uh, watched an old movie last night. I've seen it before, maybe 10 years ago, so I watched it again. I, I'm a sucker for black and white old movies. Especially in these times, you know, because it, it's like, I don't know, it's an escape. It's a distraction. But I was reminded of something in this movie, by something in this movie, of something that drives me stark raving mad about these movies that are made in the, whatever, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. I don't know when it stopped. But in any movie where a woman is pregnant. There is no visual evidence that she is. So they do the movie and, oh, my God, she's pregnant. She's so pregnant. She's going to give birth any minute. And she's like wearing, a, you know, a dress with a, a cinched belt that like, you know, her waist is 19 inches. But she goes into labor. No, she doesn't go into labor. Because that's another thing that doesn't happen. In the movie I watched last night, which was starring um, Ronald Reagan's first wife, Jane Wyman, called Johnny Belinda. And in it, she is supposedly pregnant. Yeah, wouldn't know. And then he's giving birth. And in her long labor, the most you see is she's in bed and she sort of is like her head is going from one side to the other, like she's just a little uncomfortable. I mean, there's no sounds, there's no screams, there is nothing. And you know, I, it made me think. Think of when that movie first, or any of these movies that ha that do that, and they all did it. I guess it was considered unseemly for a woman to be pregnant. You know, it's like when a teacher got pregnant, she had to leave school. She, you, you lost your teacher. I lost a, one of my favorite teachers when I was in grade school. Miss Fenlon got knocked up. She was gone. She came back, I think, a year later as Mrs. Donovan. Anyway, so the fact that, like, pregnancy was, con I guess because if someone's pregnant, that makes you maybe think of how she got pregnant, and that didn't make you think of uh, sexual intercourse. Is that what the, is that why? I don't know. It's something like that, probably. Unseemly. And think of when these movies aired first in theaters. So people saw them in theaters, a crowded theater full of men and women. And they're watching this. And the woman's pregnant or the woman's giving birth, quietly, silently giving birth. Pregnant with no visible signs of pregnancy. And all of the women in the audience, and the men for that matter too, <clears throat> would have known that that's not what a pregnant woman looks like or that's not what labor sounds like. That's not what childbirth is. And yet, I don't think that when Johnny Belinda was shown that the audience, like, cracked up laughing <laughs> when they showed these scenes. Like, are you 
effing kidding me? No. They just sat there and watched it. And it, it made me think how easily we accept whatever we're being handed. <laughs> um, and in this case, we're being handed something that, well, I hate to jump on you white guys again, that white men have decreed. That we're going to put out this movie and this is, we're going to put this actress forward in this as a pregnant woman, nine month pregnant woman. And then we're going to do a child uh, bearing scene, uh, a child birthing scene. And, and it's, whoa, it's absurd. It's, it's laughable. Nobody laughs. And it's also, it's so outrageous because it's untrue. And for all the women in the world who have ever been pregnant and gave birth, it is really suggesting that what they have done is nothing much. Then it made me think, this is what happens to me when I'm watching an old movie. Then I think, and so why would we not think that the same rules that created all of these flat-stomached pregnant women heroically giving birth as if it was no different than eating a ham sandwich, why wouldn't we think that the people the white men who put together our history books wouldn't essentially do the same thing. Wouldn't tell us lies. Because the people who make the movies, write the books, decide which books will be used, um, those are white guys. And they sold us a bill of goods that made them look better. But they weren't being honest and they weren't telling the truth. And so as I watched Jane Wyman, supposedly in labor, I thought, think that the guys who tell us our history don't cook the books do and do it so openly with a wink and a nod because it's not as if they thought well no one's going to see this that we are showing a pregnant woman looking svelte um, they knew audience would see it and I guess would decide that, oh, what did I know? I, I just, I find it astonishing. So, all right. Done. And I'm a little surprised. Um, Barb writes, I'm a long way, baby. Yeah, long way to go, too, in our lifetime. And she points out that it was 50 years ago that the Supreme Court issued a ruling that allowed the birth control pill on the market. But you still couldn't advertise it. Couldn't advertise contraception. Connecticut, yeah. Well, that's a famous case. Connecticut law even criminalized the use of contraception. So anybody in Connecticut who was using contraception was breaking the law. So it was Planned Parenthood, the head of Planned Parenthood in Connecticut, that sued. Uh, and they were, they didn't sue. They got, they got arrested because they were prosecuted because they'd opened a birth control clinic 
and uh, that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And that case is called Griswold v. Connecticut. It was 1965. Seven-two ruling overturned the Connecticut law, saying it violated the right to marital privacy. But it didn't allow uh, single women to have access to contraception. That didn't happen until 1972. Wow. Again, just a little history. Okay. Wow. All right, ladies, gentlemen. That'd be it. Uh, be careful. And uh, I'll be back on Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.